This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Buds, welcome to another episode of Keeping Carlson Short Shifts, a subsidiary of the Keeping Carlson Corporation. My name is Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, my co-host and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how's it going tonight? Nice. It's good to be on that corporate grind. Right? That's. I felt really good saying that. I don't know if it's you know factually <laughs> accurate, but it, it still felt good. I feel like I should have a college shirt on. Yeah, for sure. Folks, uh, as I mentioned, Ben and Lewis here with the Short Shifts episode. Uh, We work with Brian and Elon from Keeping Carlson. We're going to be bringing twice-weekly or tweakly episodes featuring more fantasy hockey advice and analysis than you can shake a stick at. Um, We, of course, record our episodes Tuesday and Thursday nights, and the idea here is to sort of supplement what Brian and Elon do with their major Sunday night records. Um, On Saturday mornings, we have also been recording streams at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. You can sign up to become a patron for only $5 a month, and then that will get you access to the Keeping Carlson patron Facebook page, where you can join us for a weekly sit-start, ad-drop, any sort of advice you would like. Uh, live stream, and it's been super fun. We've been joined by mine and Lewis's compatriot Jade Bettine the last few weeks, and uh, more fun from here. Yeah, those Saturday shows have been really great. You guys are getting a ton of positive feedback. Uh, you know, Saturday's a huge day of the week for fantasy hockey, trying to win your match over the weekend. Uh, so it's been nice of you guys to, to stop in and kind of have an informal drop-in for asking questions. Uh, you can follow Ben, myself, and Jade at AVG Time on Ice on Twitter and also at Keeping Carlson, uh, where you'll get updates for all of the great stuff going on in the Keeping Carlson podcast network. Absolutely. Both of those uh, Twitters, as well as the at Game Day Lines account that Elon set up, which basically just keeps you up to date on who's playing with who and what the power play units look like on each team around the league. Uh, Those are some invaluable resources for fantasy hockey information. Lewis, let's get into today's show. We are going to start with headlines. And unfortunately, because this is the NHL, that means we're going to start by chatting about injuries. And we're going to start in Buffalo, where Rasmus Dahlin took a terrible looking elbow to the face from Eric Chernak that left him bloodied and still went unnoticed by the officials. Lewis, what have we seen? as a result of the Eric Chernak hit on Deline that knocked him, the dirty hit that knocked him out uh, for a few weeks? Well, this might be a bit of a wait and see, but at least it appears uh, that Brandon Montour slotted into that top power play slot with Eichel and Skinner uh, for a little bit of power play time later in the game. 
uh, and Ristolainen got a little bit of time on that line as well. So keep an eye on this moving forward. Ristolainen and Montour are available on a lot of waiver wires, and that Buffalo power play, while the other parts of the team may be struggling a little, little bit, uh, that power play has some solid players on it. I think you would want to hold the defender that's there. Since it is concussion protocol, um, you know, we're not sure exactly how long it'll go, but he hasn't had, you know, a bunch of them so far this season, so it might just be a game or two before we see Darlene back, um, but in the meantime, I would want to hold on to one of those defenders if I see that they are taking that top power play slot. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't say that it's uh, a multi-week injury. I guess we don't yet know what the deal is going to be there, but uh, definitely distressing if you're a Buffalo fan to see your superstar uh, defenseman go down. And, you know, just it's never good when it's a head injury. I definitely am disappointed to lose Deline in one of my keeper leagues here. We've also had an injury in Tampa Bay where Steven Stamkos has missed the last two games and most of last Thursday's tilt with a lower body injury. He again missed practice today being Tuesday, which could be a sign that he's in line to miss Wednesday's game against the Blues. The Bolts have been running a Kucherov and Point uh, stacked unit on the top line with Andre Palat, and the power play has been Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn, and Victor Hedman with Kucherov and Point. Honestly, I think that I'm okay with streaming in a Palat or a Johnson or Kalorn if you're desperate or hoping for a point, but I don't know that there's necessarily a must-add guy of this bunch. Uh, you agree with that, Lewis? Yeah, I think out of that group, uh, Palat interests me the most. I know he's not getting that power play one time, but he was quite productive in the most recent game, uh, so anyone who did grab him has been quite happy. Uh, I would say that would be my target. I... Uh... Yeah, it's tough to it's always tough to say when you're talking about power play units just be or if you want that top power play or that top line unit, where do you usually go if you're trying to make a decision between a player who's playing in the op- optimal position at even strength or in the optimal position on the power play? I guess it kind of depends, you know, if it's Tampa Bay, that power play is a little more appealing. So a player like Killorn, uh, I think who had some success on the power play last game as well. I think I hold him about equally with Palat. I think that line with Point and Kucherov, obviously those line mates are super strong and you're going to spend a lot more time at even strength than you will on the power play. But if it was like a team like Nashville, where the power play hasn't always been very successful, I think the top line is the easy call. So speaking of Nashville, we have one more injury to talk about, and that is Victor Arvidsson, who is now out reportedly four to six weeks, thanks to what I must say has been my least favorite-looking injury of 2019, a cross-check from Robert Portuzo into a very, very, very vulnerable position on Arvidsson's lower back. Um, Four games for Bertuzzo did not look like enough, in my opinion. What have we seen in Nashville's lines since the injury? Uh, well, first of all, let's point out that it's clear that Bortuzzo has been a student of the B-Vowel, R-T-Vowel, Z-Z-Vowel school of scumbag hockey. Nice to see the NHL take a stand and declare quite clearly uh, that kidney shots are 33% worse than spitting. So thank you for that, NHL. Uh, In the meantime, in Nashville, Callie Yarncroke took the uh, Arvidsson spot on the top line. Uh, He played 16 minutes with two on the power play. Uh, He collected an assist and four shots. Uh, He's worth a stream uh, as long as he can hold on to that top line deployment. He is off to the best start of his career. 
his shooting percent is a little higher than his typical numbers, um, but I think getting the chance to play with Forsberg and Johansson uh, will help maybe mitigate some of that regression. I imagine that he'll be able to keep his pace up uh, as long as he's in that first line spot. Uh, and if he can hold it for, you know, if this is a guy who can hold it for a few weeks uh, while Arvidsson recovers, um, that's someone who I think is quite appealing. Another player who saw a change was that Granlund uh, had some power play one time in Arvidsson's absence, and he logged five total shots in his game, one on the power play. Uh, if Granlund wasn't of interest before, I'm not sure how much more appealing he is on this power play, like I was talking about before. Um, but if you were considering him before and had held off, uh, maybe this will tip the scales in his favor uh, as a possible streamer, as long as he's seeing some power play one time with Yarncroke on power play two. Yeah, we chatted about the difference between a Palat and a Johnson, and you were more team Palat. I felt at the, you know, I feel like I'd prefer to have someone on the, the Bolts power play. But for some reason, Cali Yarncroc on the top line in Nashville is very interesting to me. He just was, he was pretty solid there during Forsberg's injury earlier in the year. And for some reason, that's been stuck in my head. So I'm not sure if that's rational, but I am interested in Cali Yarncroc in the short term. Moving forward, we have an outry in Pittsburgh where Chris Letang is hit back, has hit the ice once again. He is, of course, right away back to that top power play in Pittsburgh, and he is playing with Malkin, Gensel, Rust, and Patrick Hornquist. And his first game back, it was, it was kind of a weird one. The second unit was on fire between uh, Alex Galchenyuk, Jared McCann, and Dominic Cahoon. They kept on scoring, so they were getting a lot of the power play deployment, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case long term. Um, so obviously we're excited to get Latang back and we can downgrade all of those random Pittsburgh defensemen who were worth mentioning on last week's show once again. Yeah, I think uh, it's nice that you've now learned John Marino's name, but he and Marcus Peterson and Brian Dumoulin, you don't have to hold on to these folks any longer. You should be streaming them out. Uh, as long as we're on Pittsburgh, uh, Tristan Jari might be an interesting short-term ad. It seems that Matt Murray is going through uh, his yearly period of struggle uh, that always seems to hit for a stretch of malaise of varying lengths. Uh, Jari right now has a 945 save percentage in his limited starts. Uh, and there's been some great defense being played in front of him. You can check out Micah Blake McCurdy's uh, visualizations of where these shots are coming from at Ineffective Math on Twitter. Um, but basically what he's saying is uh, Pittsburgh is doing a very good job of clearing out high-danger chances, and Jari, and uh, to a slightly lesser extent, Murray are having the chance to really see where these pucks are coming from. Jari is the one right now who is capitalizing uh, and he is the hot hand. He's won three games in a row now. Yeah, and we've seen stretches where Matt Murray was relegated off of the starters crease before. I don't see why this year would be any different. I mean, he goes through these cold spells and they've shown that they're not afraid to take the net away from him, at least in a short-term sense. Maybe if uh, Jari can run away with it, he'll get a little bit of run here. Yeah, I think he's. That's why I think he's interesting in the short term. We have, uh, in multiple cases, seen Murray come back and really finish the season strong. So I held Murray last year and ended up uh, trading him away. It worked out okay because I got Jordan Bennington in return. Um, but he was definitely Bennington was definitely outplayed by Murray in the latter portion of the season. Jari, I do think is really interesting right now, but my expectation is eventually that net will go back to Murray and he will finish strong if his pattern holds from previous years. 
Finally, we have one more outro to chat about. Rupe Hints is back in Dallas, and he's been playing between Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan at even strength. He logged 15 minutes a Monday with a minute and a half on the power play. Lewis, is it time to flock to your waiver wire and see if Rupe Hints was dropped while he was out? Yeah, if he's around, this is someone that I definitely would like to have. He's playing uh, with Ben and Sagan at even strength. Uh, during Monday's game, he logged 15 minutes with a minute 37 on the power play. You know, there's not a ton to say about Hintz. He's been quite successful so far this year. He's got excellent deployment. Uh, his return will allow the Stars to spread their scoring out further and hopefully continue their winning ways, although they are having a bit of a struggle during today's game. Another interesting player on the Stars who's been uh, a bit of a shock is I'm sure Pavelski owners have been very happy to see the Stars put these goals on. We've been expecting them to see some positive regression. Uh, the gulf between their actual scoring and their expected goals has been quite large for much of the season, and it's really caught up over the last handful of games. Yet somehow Joe Pavelski has missed out on this new scoring almost entirely uh, and sits at just 41.6% IPP at 5-on-5 five five this season, by far a career low. I would have your fingers crossed to hope that he'll start getting involved in a few more of these goals where the stars are hot. Ben, would you rather have a guy on a team that is hardly scoring at all or a player on a team that is scoring plenty, but they are missing out on all the points? Their IPP is just totally lacking. I mean, even with Joe Pavelski, I don't necessarily... I've been on record as not believing in him regardless of his IPP. This season, obviously, we have seen a very low percentage of points for him but it's not like it's ridiculously low he's at 58 that's five percent lower than last year and the year before so I'm not thinking that he's on pace for what like 37 38 points so even if points were going in even if he was up to his normal 43 point pace he'd be on pace for maybe 45 points so I don't know I to me Joe Pavelski is very uninteresting uh regardless So we've definitely seen a drop in Pavelski's 5-on-5 IPP, and it is pretty stark from the previous few years with the Sharks. I wonder if part of this, though, is just the position that he's put in with the Dallas Stars. I mean, he's had a changing from one team to the next is obviously going to affect the on-ice numbers. I'm not sure how much I want to bet on Joe Pavelski's IPP trending upwards, just because obviously it's going to go up from 42%, but... Will it return to his typical 75% at 5-on-5? I'm not 100% sure that we'll see that. So, yeah, Joe Pavelski, just a player that I'm I'm kind of writing off at this point. If he wants to show me that he's going to shoot again and return to being the player that made him interesting in multi-category leagues for so long, at that point I'll buy in. But at the age of 35, I am not holding my breath. Sure, absolutely. And I think it's a big change, too. Obviously, one of his great skills was deflecting shots that were coming into the net uh, from his high-powered uh, defenseman and getting used to maybe trying to, to do that with a new team after being in uh, the same routine for so many years. Maybe that's proved more challenging than expected. We're going to move on to a new segment on the show. This is the lottery ticket segment where Lewis and I look for players owned in fewer than one quarter of Yahoo leagues and have you know, some long-term interest to us. So we decided to pick 
somewhat arbitrary number of 25%. We found players who we thought were interesting and could possibly offer long-term season-long upside. I'm going to start with a player in Ottawa who I've had in a few leagues for a few weeks now, and that's Anthony Duclair. So Duclair, 18% owned, and the most exciting thing about Duclair right now is his deployment. Over the last month, he's played over 16 minutes in every single game except for two, so he's getting clear top six deployment, and he's playing a ton with Brady Kachuk, both on the power play and at even strength, which is exactly what you want to see from a sends forward. What I really like about Anthony Duclair's numbers right now is that he's pacing for 34 goals, and I'm not sure that he's doing anything particularly unsustainable. Just under three shots per game is a great, and he's hitting a little bit. On the power play, if anything, he's been a little bit unlucky. So currently he's got three power play points, which would put him on pace for like 10 or 11, but the power play in Ottawa is shooting at a really low clip right now. The way that they're playing as a team, I wouldn't really be shocked to see that regress in the positive, even if I do expect them to be one of the lower scoring teams on the power play in a season long sense. But I could see him inching closer to a 15 to 17 power play point pace instead of the 10 or 11 that he's on, which I think would make Duke about a 30 goal, 60 plus point player this this year. I think you need to get him while he's still on the waiver wires. But my question for you, Lewis, is that take too hot? calling Duclair a 60-point player. Have I gone too far? I think it might be a little strong for a player uh, on the Ottawa Senators not named Kachuk. I might have him in the 55 range and maybe have that as his ceiling. I'm a little nervous about calling him potentially a 30-goal guy. I love the idea, but I don't know if I am all the way there yet. I would love to be proved wrong because I did take your advice and I snapped him up in a league for this week where he has a pretty nice schedule. Prove me wrong, Anthony Duclair. I'd love to see it. Well, I mean, Lewis, even if we were to look at his shot pace right now for the rest of this season, he's averaging about 2.87 shots per game. That would give him about 170 shots over the rest of the year. His three-year pace from a shooting percentage perspective is 13.4%. That would be if he were to able if he's able to continue his shot pace and put up his career average or his three-year average that would give him 23 more goals to go along with the 10 he currently has for a 33 goal pace lewis does that convince you anthony duclair threat for 30 threat for 30 yes uh just mark me down as someone who is not yet convinced that he's really going to get there Fair enough. And I mean, maybe we'll see a, I think the most likely deterrent would be a decrease in deployment. But if he's, if he stays with Brady the rest of the year, I'd even strengthen on the power play. I think that we've got a 30 goal score on our hands. All right, Lewis, why don't you tell us the player that you looked into that's under 25% owned your lottery ticket player. So I'd like to spend my time talking about another prolific shooter, uh, although he is not getting the type of deployment that Declare is getting and may not get that type of deployment until he gets traded later in the year, which seems a fairly likely possibility. I'm talking about Tyler Toffoli for the LA Kings, only 5% owned in Yahoo Leagues. This is a guy who can shoot and score, and his value is just being driven into the ground uh, by playing for this Kings team. He's getting some decent minutes, um, but I don't know if the quality of those minutes is as high as we 
hope he would be. Uh, I think if he got added by a team that could give him the same line two responsibilities, power play two, but maybe even power play one, at least supporting him with some better teammates, I think Toffoli could really excel. Currently for the year, he is 25th in shots per 60 among players with at least 200 minutes of time on ice, just behind noted shooters like Evander Kane and Cam Atkinson, and ahead of players like Giroux, Sagan, Meyer, Hall, and Matthews. He ranks 8th in individual expected goals per 60 in the league for players with at least 200 minutes, and is capable of driving play with an individual on ice Corsi 4 percentage of 54, meaning uh, his team is getting 54% of those shots while he is on the ice. So this is a talented shooter who I think could thrive in a better opportunity. Uh, If not now, consider picking him up in late January before the trade deadline in case he sees an improvement in deployment or line mates. And don't just take my word for it. I talked a little bit on Twitter with Michael Clifford, who guest hosted uh, the Sunday podcast with Elon last week for a great show, uh, and he feels similarly. This is a guy that is someone with some long-term value who you know has the whole offensive skill set to be really successful and is just sort of being drained playing for the Kings right now. Yeah, Mike Clifford of Dauber, he writes a ton of their ramblings, uh, their daily column which is a must read for fantasy hockey owners and does amazing work at slim cliffy on twitter uh i was excited to see Tofoli when you uh, started prepping the show lewis because he's a player who i've been interested in but i am very disappointed to see that he's back to line two power play two do you have a I, this is the first i'm hearing about the possibility of a trade is there are you are you being an insider on this one are you the first to report or is this something that you've heard about yeah so Tofoli is on the last year of his contract at four million and will be an unrestricted free agent in 2020-2021. So unless the Kings intend to re-sign him, uh, I imagine that they will be looking to try to get something for him on the free agent market and maybe can point to some of those uh, underlying numbers even as they're kind of choking the life out of his actual scoring aptitude. Yeah, I love it. That's a great target. I would be definitely waiting for him to actually get that deployment or that trade, though, before, you know, dropping a good player for Toffoli, who I doubt he can breathe with that terrible deployment for a long term. Yeah, I think you're right there. So this is someone I think to keep an eye on, be the first one to pounce when things change for him, either an improvement in deployment on the Kings or potentially a move to another team that is going to make better utility of his abilities. So I'm going to move on and I'm going to chat about a defenseman who I've definitely tweeted about. I don't think I've mentioned him on the show, though. I'm talking about Adam Fox uh, for my wonderful New York Rangers, who most recently didn't break my heart when they came back and destroyed the Montreal Canadiens last weekend. Um, So in his last 11 games, Fox has put up nine points, which is a 67-point pace, which is obviously not sustainable, but it does show what the rookie blue liner is capable of when he gets good looks. So in New York, we've seen a bit of a spin cycle on the Rangers' top power play unit. That is a bummer for those who put draft capital into picking up Jacob Truba, but it's a huge, huge boon for Tony D'Angelo and Fox. In the most recent game, Fox was back on the top power play after four games that he spent on the second unit while D'Angelo was up there. And it was kind of an interesting um, example, I think, of the way that points are kind of random for these defensemen. Do, 
deployment doesn't always determine that they're going to be successful. D'Angelo was red hot before he got promoted up to the top unit, and then he suddenly goes cold with three pointless games. Now he's back on unit two. It's tough to say. It's tough to see what lands these players in Coach David Quinn's doghouse. D'Angelo spent... 10 minutes and 15 minutes time on ice in each of the last two games. And in that 15 minutes of time on ice in the most recent game against Minnesota, he scored the game winning goal in overtime. So I don't really know what's going on with David Quinn. And I don't know that a lot of people could tell you what it is exactly. I'm definitely not ready to proclaim Fox the winner of the power play one battle, but D'Angelo is currently 40% owned and Adam Fox is only owned in 11% of leagues. There's definitely no reason not to own him if you're in a league where D'Angelo is owned right now, considering he's the guy getting that top unit deployment. And given his offensive pedigree, we could be looking at a 55 plus point defenseman if that power play one cycle ever does definitively stop on him. So Adam Fox, a player that I still have held on to in a number of leagues, and I'm happy to still have those shares. Lewis, who would you rather have at this point, Adam Fox or Tony D'Angelo? So my feeling is that you mentioned 55 points, and I think that could be the pace that either of them is on as long as they have uh, the best possible deployment. Obviously, we've seen that deployment doesn't necessarily mean that they're getting the points there. Uh, If you have either one, you know, consider holding on to them because the winds of change seem to be blowing through New York with some frequency. You know, several thousand teams I saw on my Yahoo app who dropped Tony D'Angelo after his 10-minute game would have missed out on the points that he provided during the 15-minute game. But yeah, so I think either streaming them in when they are getting the best deployment that they can or else, you know, just sort of holding on to them and expecting them to be maybe a 35-40 point guy when they are off that line and have much higher potential for pace uh, when they are getting the top power play deployment might be the approach to go. I think they're both fairly appealing right now if your league is deep enough. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty tough to drop Tony D'Angelo despite the drop in deployment considering just how monster of a season he's been having. My That's not really my argument so much as the fact that he shouldn't be so much wider owned than Adam Fox at this point. Tony D'Angelo also on pace for 63 points over the season with 17 in his last 22. All right, Lewis, we have time for one more lottery ticket player. You know, when I was thinking about the lottery ticket concept, I kind of think of it as the anti-stream scheme a podcast which specializes in giving you weekly information and analysis and advice we are trying to give you season long so we are not going to be looking at your you know one percent two percent owns here we're looking at players who might be a little bit higher owned but might have more uh, interest in a season-long format so my goaltender that i looked at here was linus allmark he is 11 percent owned What started as an ideal season for Carter Hutton has quickly become more of the same. It's been four straight games with a sub 900 save percentage from the vet. And what has Buffalo done? They've turned to the young gun. So with Hutton falling to a 903 on the season, what better time for Linus Allmark to have a shot at taking this job? He recently played three straight, and with only one quality start, it's not like he's been lighting the world on fire, but his 915 save percentage on the season is certainly better than Carter Hutton. He's giving Buffalo a little bit more of a chance to win these games, and now that Hutton's come back to earth, I think the idea that Buffalo is a legit playoff threat has obviously worn off, but... 
but Allmark is going to get a chance to run with the net here for a little bit. If you're in a league where starters aren't often available on the waiver wire, I think it is time to hop on Linus Allmark. Lewis, what do you think? Linus Allmark or Tristan Jari for you right now? Well, again, I think the question is how long am I looking to have this player on my team, right? So if it's a season-long thing and I want regular starts, I think Allmark is the wise choice. The league where I picked up Jari, I also am holding on to Murray, so that made a lot more sense for me because I'm guaranteed to pull those starts one way or another until things start to stabilize. But yeah, I think Allmark is certainly an interesting player to hold on to. Um, you know, similar, I think, to some other players who are pushing to maybe take over a starting position potentially, like Alex Stalock in Minnesota, or maybe even a Louis Demang in New Jersey, uh, who seems to be putting some pressure on Mackenzie Blackwood. Another name that I think falls into this category would be Anders Nielsen, who appears to maybe be the number one guy in Ottawa, though Craig Anderson has had some okay starts in the last few. So if you're looking at these four guys on your waiver wire, Staylock, Olmark, Demang, and Nielsen, which of those guys stands out to you? Who would you be most willing to take a swing on? I guess I would put Olmark and Staylock in a tier above the other two um, as players who are playing fairly well while their counterpart is really struggling. Uh, Blackwood hasn't been great, but he's been okay. Uh, So I don't know how much there is to worry about in New Jersey. Plus, I'm not entirely sure if you want a New Jersey goalie. So uh, it does seem like the Wild have figured out their offense a little bit and are providing a little bit more run support. So Stalak seems appealing. Um, But again, I think at some point they're going to try and work Dubnik back in. Allmark is the future in Buffalo, and I think that makes him the pick, and I think that's why it was interesting that you selected him as your lottery ticket. So I've heard a lot of people pumping the tires on Alex Stalock, and I gotta say, I do not understand why. Like, he's got a 9.07 this year, and he has not been good in the past, and he's on a team that everyone agreed was horrific before the season, and they haven't been good in season um alex Stalock also shockingly how old would you guess he is oh gee see i know i'm gonna guess low i don't know is he 29 he's 32 i would not have guessed that he was 32 i would have thought for i guess those first couple years playing a game or two would have thrown me off but i would have guessed yeah like 27 or 28 maybe anyway alex Stalock, 32 i do not buy into the alex Stalock hype at all he might be the least interesting to me of the four with uh nilson and allmark at the top and then followed by domang fair enough i think uh i think you've got some solid logic there i agree with you Stalock obviously has not been good in the past um but you know i think it does make for an interesting possibility but at any rate i'm glad that we at least agree uh that we have all mark there at the top of the pile Absolutely. Well, Lewis, that's all we have time for today. For myself, Ben Burnett, I hope that you will join us at KeepingCarlson.com slash patron. Become a patron for only $5 a month. You can come hang out with us in the Keeping Carlson Facebook page. Uh, on Saturday, we'll be hosting another Sit Start ad drop extravaganza. So I hope you will come hang out with us, drink some coffee, and we will be starting that one hour before the game starts around noon on Saturday. Lewis, why don't you take us out of here? All right. Thanks, Ben. Please give us a follow at AVG Time on Ice and at Keeping Carlson. We are really enjoying having the opportunity to bring you this twice weekly or tweakly podcast. Thank you for tuning in, downloading. Please feel free to give us a review, give us some feedback. We'd really appreciate it. And until we see you again, 
Play smart and keep your shifts short.